everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. Grateful to have you here. I am your host, Brian Andreco, and we got another great one in store. Uh, guy, great might be an understatement because a lot of energy, a lot of passion in this interview today. Um, I'm welcoming in Dana Molstaff, who is the founder and CEO of Boss Mom. And she launched the Boss Mom brand with her first book back in 2015 called Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro. And this started an international movement where now the Boss Mom Facebook community has organically grown to over 50,000 members. And there are now Boss Mom local meetups in over 80 cities. And this is all backed by her mission, her belief that we need to show our children that doing what we love can be financially viable. And I recommend to get the notepad out on this one today as Dana shares so many great insights around this journey to getting started and, you know, understanding your business and being thoughtful about it to making kind of wise decisions around priorities and where you spend your time. We get into parenting. I mean, it is a wide ranging conversation, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I have a feeling y'all will too. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Dana Mulstaff. Let's get it started. Dana, awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to uh, to learn more about you. You know, I know we have a mutual uh, connection with Matt. who was on the podcast a while ago. And as I was going through some stuff on his website, I, I came across you. I'm like, this is awesome. Like what you're doing and your story. I was like, I got to have you on because I have to imagine this will be impactful for a ton of people listening in. Um, so really excited to have you on. I, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the floor for the 15, 30 second elevator, you know, pitch, if you will. So everyone knows kind of what, what's the base level of what you're doing and, uh, and who you're about and that we'll start there and then kind of go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. So I am the founder and CEO of boss mom. So when I'm in the grocery store and somebody asks, I say, I help moms start online businesses. Right. But the main idea is, uh, women want to have babies. We're out, we're out you know, popping out families. And once we've had a family, we realize we kind of want to hang out with that family or our family is so exhausting that we need a rest from our family, right? And we want to have uh, businesses and financial freedom um, that doesn't mean we have to sacrifice our families. And Boss Mom was born because in 2015, I wrote the book Boss Mom, um, the, you know, how to nurture your family, nurture your business. Or, I don't remember. It's something about your family and your business and doing it like a pro. It's been so long since I've written it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's the idea that you can run a business. Um, however, you have to run it a business like a mom. Um, you can't be a 20-year-old that thinks that, you know, that everybody's telling you that it, your business has to be your number one priority. Once you become a parent, your business will never be your number one priority. Um, and you will always have two important things in your life, at least two, probably more. And so it's how to run a business like a mom and understand that. And giving women permission to want to have businesses. And, and I just, I gave women a lot of permission back in the day when I got started and that permission to want to start a business, that permission to be frustrated that your kids won't put your shoes on and then, you know, and, and then have to hop on a call and be a smart businesswoman and doing those things an hour apart, that those are okay. And women just loved it. They said, where is this? Where is this space where I can feel okay with the kind of person that I want to be? 
uh, and it it flourished. And you know, as an entrepreneur, when something you know, when you see a flame, you fan fan the crap out of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so now well, we boss mom everything. I, I think that's a good place to you know start laying the breadcrumbs of how we got to today. Because you know, I was out doing some research prior. It looked like you were you're kind of again similar to most other folks. You know, had had uh, education, got into some you know jobs, some different roles, and then all of a sudden there was that switch. It looked like 2013, 2014-ish. Take me back to that time, seven, you know, eight years ago, eight years ago, what was going through your mind? Like, did you always have this idea to want to start a business? Did this just click one day? Help, help us get the idea ideation start. And then we'll go. from Yeah, there. no, I, I'm not sure I knew I wanted to start a business. I, I always liked working for startups. So I always worked for smaller companies. I loved wearing multiple hats. I remember my last job, I had the, the, you know, guy that hired me said, what's one thing that would make you miserable. And I said, doing the same thing every day. Like I need, I need variety. Like I just, I can't handle right. doing the same thing every day. I get bored. And so, you know, I, I hopped around. I was one of the people that, you know, it's been a couple years here, a year here. I would test things out. I would dabble. I'm very experiential. So I never really, I'm not sure I knew I would start my own business. My dad owned an auto body shop. Um, my stepdad was an entrepreneur, uh, but he also, when he got married to my mom, he he stopped being an entrepreneur and started writing books because that's what he mm-hmm. wanted to do. Um, and then when I went to college, started another company to help pay for my college. Liter- yeah. He literally was like, oh, you're going to college? We should probably start a company. And then that, that way that, you know, we can afford that. And I was like, okay. So um, I had that entrepreneurial component, but but much more than that, what I had was I was our family took creativity very seriously um, and contribution ideas very seriously. So I was very rewarded growing up for contributing. I was rewarded for um, offering up ideas uh, and and then asked, being asked to carry out those ideas. For even, even with my dad in the auto body shop of like ways to make his, you know, his office run more efficiently and all these different things. Um, so I think that ultimately is what helped when I was at a company back in 2000, I don't know, 2013, uh, no, 2012. And the husband and wife who owned the company split up and mm. the, everybody who had hired him on the marketing side was starting to get let go. Right. Which makes sense. Like you clean house, right. <laughs> like you can't fault anybody for cleaning house. The guy that came in that was kind of, you know, moving everything around, I could see what was happening, asked him to go out to lunch and said, Hey, I see what's happening. And, uh, you know, I want 90 days. I want 90 days for me to make sure my team's in order. Cause I was at the director level. I had about 11, 12 employees. And so I have time to find something and we can make this a really smooth transition. And he's like, best thing ever. Let's do it. Him and I actually still know each other and are friends. Yeah. And, um, I took 90 days to go out and try and find a job. I couldn't find something I wanted. I found one job where I was like, okay, I'd be willing to have this. And I, my husband and I basically said, if I don't get this job, I'm starting my own business. And I had had a mentor at the time was like, you should be a consultant. You can make a lot of money being a consultant. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I basically didn't get the job. It was me and one other person. And they called me and said, we wish we could have had hired both of you, but he had this one piece of experience we really wanted. I don't remember what it was. Um, you know, but we all had wished you could be on the team. And that's when I think it clicked in my brain. It was like, oh, I could own my own business. And then you don't have to pay my health care, have to have a full-time position. I can just come in and we can work together, but it can be more on a project base. And then I can leave when I'm not, don't want to hang out with you anymore mm-hmm. and go find somebody else. Yeah. And I think that's the brain thing where I was like, I've got to start my own thing. And then of course, six weeks later, I found out I was pregnant and, uh, you know, and then that took a long, longer than yeah, planned for everything right, to right. fall into place. 
Well, so then I guess, you know, if we're talking about the ideation, because we all go through this as we have a million ideas, like what do we want to do? What do we want to start? When did the idea of actually writing the book come into play? Because that was your first big thing, right? You wrote the book and that seemed like the launch pad, if, if I'm right. Yeah, it was the launch pad. It's definitely not the first thing I did. Um, the first thing I did was I wanted to do leadership training, right? I mean, I had I had been a director for a hot minute, so obviously I'm qualified to give leadership training. <laughs> right. um, and so I did. I had I had connections, right? The smart person leverages the connections they have. So I had connections with the Red Cross and some things, and they brought me in to do these half-day facilitations and stuff. And so I, I had some business, but it wasn't consistent. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what my website looked like. I named my business uh, some name that you can't spell. So, you know, that was smart. And, and then when we moved out, I was in Columbus, Ohio at the time, and I missed my family. My parents are out here. And um, it was not a hard sell in the middle of the winter in Columbus to convince my husband to move out to California. Yeah. And when we moved out, all of a sudden, everybody else was also had babies and there were women starting businesses in Columbus. That was not the case. I felt very alone. So when I got here, I had this brilliant idea because I'm a big believer in communication and connection and nurturing. There's a lot of what we have in our community that's based around that. So I had this brilliant idea that I was going to be a mindful communication coach because that's really leveraging none of my skills. I mean, it's not that I don't have those what skills. What is that? I don't know what that I is. Have. What I don't that? know. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> But, but what it was, was I wanted to teach people how to communicate better because that was my passion. I believed if we just understood how to talk to each other. And I, one of my best friends that I'd hung out with for a year at my last company was a behavioral psychologist. I have a huge interest in that, that field. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just like everybody else who follows their passion, right? And the passion generally leads you down a road that doesn't uh, leverage your skills, is not a, is a hard, you know, a soft sell. It's hard to sell. And I found myself doing that, like struggling to get clients, struggling to convince people it's what they needed because it's, yeah, I'd love to communicate better, but, you know, we're all human beings. So why, do, why should I pay to, to do that? Right. And one day I, this actually, this is, this is the reason everybody needs to get out and talk to people and try things. Cause I remember going up to Irvine with my best friend at the time. And uh, we went up to this conference that was the worst conference ever. It was one of those ones where every person that went up was was selling. Um, and we were, it was, it was terrible. And we were like, we were going to leave halfway through this and we're just going to go to a coffee shop and sit down and figure out what the heck we're doing in our businesses. And one guy got up and I don't remember his name or anything. It was, it was, feels like so long ago, but I know he was in the, he had been in the military and he basically said like the smart entrepreneur finds the thing that they can do in 15 minutes that takes everybody half the day. And that's the thing you make money at. He's like, cause his entrepreneurs were pretty good at a lot of things, but find that one thing that you can do 10 times faster than somebody else that they look at you and go, Oh my gosh, how did you do that? I can't even imagine. That's the thing you're going to make money at. And we sat down and I was like, I still don't know what that is. We went to a coffee shop with my best friend and we ended up spending most of it. I was like, let's work on your stuff. And we worked on the exact structure of the way I thought she should build a course, which I had done in corporate, the exact way she should, you know, structure how she's selling it, which I'd done in corporate, like all of these things. And she turned to me and she's like, Hey, idiot, you realize everything you just did with me. You literally just created all of these sales and marketing systems in my business with me and gave me that clarity of what my messaging is. She's like, you should do that. So I went home, I got onto the one Facebook group I'd been hanging out in. 
I said, I've got three spots. I'm going to beta who wants to make a course come in with me and I'll do it for free. Um, built out three of those courses, two of them ended up staying on as clients. And I just went, wow, I'm really good at this. I did this in corporate, started making courses on Udemy, got asked to go over to Skillshare. And then from there realized, started doing consulting to help people make coursework and content. And then within about six months of that, got connected with a mastermind. And one of them was a book coach, Azul Taronis. Him and I started talking um, and I said, I want, I've always wanted to write a book. I was a journalism major. My dad wrote. And um, when we sat down to write, I thought I was going to write a book on how to write content. And I ended up writing Boss Mom. And then Boss Mom became the brand that I still got to do all the things I'm good at, all the messaging and, and everything. But it's behind this meaningful idea of the kind of person people want to be. And when I, when I got that branding and that sense of belonging in that community coupled with a skill I was actually really good at, um, then everything just started blowing up. And now I get to do mindful communication. I absolutely help people communicate, but it's, yeah. it's, it's included in something that actually sells. <laughs> right. Well, it's under that umbrella, you know, is uh, Rich Keller who gets plugged on this a lot, um, a great brand coach, a mentor of mine, but he always says, you know, what you do is not who you are. You know, who you are is, or I always mess it up. What you do is driven by who you are, right? It's not mm -hmm. the opposite. A lot of people try to sell products and then they get pigeonholed, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think what you just mentioned is like, hey, it, it worked out. It's all under this umbrella, but you're doing, I mean, anyone can go to your website and you're doing a variety of different things, which is awesome, right? You're, you have a lot of expansion um, to the business, which is really neat to see, but it all started from this, obviously this serendipity, in the, uh, in the coffee shop here. So uh, let me take a, a, a sidestep. That's the logical, like, Hey, we're going to start this business. What have you? I, I want to chat a little about the, the emotional side, like, cause you seem <laughs> just being on camera and whatever, you seem very confident. And yes, I don't know if you've always been that way. Like, did you have confidence to start this and, and go down this path? Or was there a lot of hesitation, um, to go in, get some of those first clients, uh, write the book, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So, so yes and no, and maybe, and sometimes is probably my answer to those, which is, um, I've always been an extrovert. Um, we moved around a lot, like every two years we moved, I never stayed in the same place. So, um, I, I was forced to be able to make friends and, and, kind of, and those kinds of things. So yes, that does come easier to me. My dad was a natural sales guy. He, um, my stepdad, he, you know, basically was, was the guy you send out to raise capital. So he, you know, he was obviously knew how to, he used to tell me that until they say, no, you're not selling, you're just asking. And he's like, it's not the same thing. <laughs> um, he's the one that yells at me when I tell him conversion rates and then he'll be like, yeah, then you're not charging enough or you need to, you know, and, and I have to have this whole argument about him. So I, I got really lucky in that space. And my real dad was a, you know, in during the summer when everybody else went to camp, I worked in his auto body shop. I had a, a, a you know, a desk that had my name airbrushed on the front and I used to go with my clipboard out and help him do estimates. So yeah, I've always been, I've been bred this way to be outgoing. The confidence part about whether I could actually have a business or have a book. No, I had, I have no idea. And I spent many a night crying on a bathroom floor, wondering what the heck I was doing and would it work or trying to explain. I was pregnant, seven months pregnant. We just moved into a new house. And, you know, when I told my husband uh, that I wanted to write a book and he's like, this seems like horrible timing. I think this is a terrible idea. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyway, because a lot of times you just do things. So I think just being kind of dumb and, and 
like had to do it for a lot of things. Um, and then once I was in it and things weren't working the way I wanted, or, you know, cause 20% of what we do works and the other 80% is a massive fail, um, is yeah, I had a ton. I I'm a hot mess at least once a week. Um, I mean, I have two or three days a month, even now where I'm like, I should just move to Mexico. What am I even doing with my life? Um, but you know, we, I realize that I'm a human being that's just completely irrational. But luckily, I'm predictably irrational, which is one of my favorite books. And yeah, and you just so so yeah, I'm confident. I but I'm me the way I am now that you see me is just because I'm just I'm too lazy to not be myself. And I am an odd person that has weird analogies in my brain. And I'm just okay with it. And I'm I hit 40 this year, like I've just long enough to not really give a crap about you know, if you don't like me, that's great. You don't have to like me. There's a million other people to go and follow and like that can do great things for you. Um, so let's all find people we like. So I'm just, it's easier to show you me. So that way we get, get there faster. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Why, uh, why try to sugarcoat it or be some, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. So just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And it seems it's a little, little bit easier that way anyways. When you went to launch the book, so let, let, I, I want to chat about this a little bit because you know, all the different authors I have on, you know, there's so many different stories, some unique ways. So how did you decide to go about and actually a finish the book? So what was your writing process? And then B, how did you actually decide to get it out there in the world? What was the, was there a certain, you know, maybe a unique way that you got it out there um, that was different than others you've seen? Yeah, well, I'm not sure unique. I mean, there's a, there's a, I think a system that works. So Azul was the one who, you know, I went through, or he was my coach. He had gotten coached by um, uh, Chandler Bolt, who's who's one of my good friends now. He has the self-publishing school. So it, it uses that yep. sort of process. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, basically what I did is I you know, I, I do what I teach everybody to do now for everything in their business, which is I went out to, I didn't have boss mom at the time. So I went out to a community that I had hung out in and become known in, um, in a Facebook group. And I asked them all questions. I was like, what should I name the book? You know, and I actually hired and paid $200 to a copywriter, which seemed like a lot to just brainstorm 50, 60 names for me. That was it. I just said, just brainstorm names for me. Cause I'm better at seeing what I like and don't like than I am about creating something from scratch. Yeah. And I'm too close to this in the writing process. She came up with a bunch of names. Boss mom was literally my, not, not my favorite. She even recommended it was mom boss. And we went and looked it up and it was a porn site. So we're like, well, let's flip it. Let's see if boss mom later, I got them to take down the site, even though I don't t- technically have rights to, but they did anyway, which is good. Um, but yeah, and everybody loved boss mom. And I was like, ah, darn it. This is my least favorite name. And then I went and was like, okay, what's the tagline? Then I did got the design or the cover designed on, you know, uh, 99 designs and they picked the one I liked the least, which is now our logo. I was like a heart and a dollar sign. I mean, really everybody ate it up. So one of the big things about success that I tell people is you build buzz by getting people to help you make decisions. Like stop being an island. There's not a badge on your sleeve that says hustling is the good thing to do. And if I stay up all night and figure it out on my own, like be okay with being wrong. You're always going to be wrong. Your audience is, oh, you're, you're too close to it and you want to be too clever. Your audience knows what they want. Listen to them. Um, and that's what I did. And once we did that, then I had a huge group of women who wanted to read it early. And then I had, you know, it was easier for me to then start a Facebook group and bring everybody over. And what we did is we launched the Boss Mom podcast right when we launched the Boss Mom book. Mm-hmm. And my new, my very first hire was a VA to pitch me on podcasts. So from the moment the book came out, we had the podcast and we had me getting on a a, a show 
every single week, sometimes twice a week for the first year. And honestly, getting featured on other people's shows, like what you and I are doing right here, is the number one best way to grow anything. Grow your Facebook group, get your book sales, get one-on-one clients. The amount of times somebody has called me, gotten on a 15-minute call and said, I don't need you to sell me. I just need to know if you're available because I heard you on this show and everything you said is what I want. So just tell me what that looks like. Um, is it, it, yeah, just you just can't beat it. So that was our process. I had the podcast. We started growing the Facebook group. We did the you know the, the pitching in that trifecta. Built my clout, built my expertise, and built our community um, and that trust. And we just worked the system. Hmm. You mentioned one word in there. I want to uh, underscore around audience. Mm-hmm. And and maybe give your there's no right or wrong here whatever your thoughts are on this but because and I'm not sure if people gave you this advice or was trying to because realistically you could have been the boss parent you could have doubled your market and went to men and women you decide to obviously go this one route can you ch- share a little bit about how you went through like this is the audience I want to share to this is the reason why just because because I, I know I struggle with that and I have to imagine folks listening in just how they make sure they don't they don't think it everyone, right? So how do we get only the right people in the, the room that we want? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one thing to, to think about is who does your audience want to be surrounded by, right? So if I'm having conversations about how difficult it is to be a mom and an entrepreneur, and I want to share jokes about being pregnant and things like that, are the women that want to share those same things, do they want their husbands around while they're doing it? And the answer is generally no, they don't. They don't. Not because they don't love them, but they want to have this space that's their own. You know, me talking about, you know, wanting to just pee by myself just doesn't doesn't sit the same way, you know, with guys as it does women. And so what I realized is the kind of community that I wanted to build uh, was really going to thrive better if we just focused on moms. Now, I want to tell everybody over half of my one on one clients consistently are men. Men that like the way I talk about nurturing, like the systems I talk about, and I don't really have an online like space for them from a membership perspective. And generally, those guys don't want to be in a monthly membership anyway, because guys don't go in and share like women do. Um, and so having a Facebook community for, you know, I had a client that she sold to website design to plumbers and HVAC. Those guys are not hanging out in Facebook groups. But she did start a Facebook group called Married to the Trade for all the wives of those guys who interestingly enough, usually manage their social media. And that worked out really well. So I also understood what, where I wanted to hang out and where my market hung out and the kind of conversations we wanted to have more women were hanging out in that space. And it'd be easier to just talk to those women. And I could be more specific because men don't not, and this is not true across the board. There's no real absolutes, but men just don't think and feel guilty about the same things that women do. Um, and that's our fault. It's not, it's not anybody's fault, but ours. We can't help ourselves, um, but try and take on, you know, all the responsibility of the world. But yeah, so recognize when anybody's, when you're picking your niche and your people, like you need to be able to not just say, I want to get you from, you know, frazzled to focus. Like I need, you need to be able to give specific, like, like grainy examples and who is going to resonate with those examples? And if you have to give a large slew of examples so it fits for all the people you think you can serve, then it's it's not going to work. You're going to want to be as specific as possible. And for me, yeah, just the, the female part um, fit. But we have about 1% of guys in our Facebook group. And like I said, a lot of guys that call me and have one-on-one client work and we do great work together. But it's But they care about the nurture component. Like that's our word. 
is the nurturing side. Awesome. Well, I think it goes to the fact of you have your market, your audience that you want to go toward. There's always going to be some, as you're saying, there's some extras that come with it, which is awesome. Uh, but it's not your core where you're trying to go. Because I think sometimes if you try to have such a big audience, you just get lost. The, the messaging, the you know, nothing sounds like it's you know specific. Well, not only that, but you think about getting featured. Think about getting on a stage, right? Like if you don't have something super specific that you do and something, you know, because I can sit there and talk about parenting, but really the mission of what I care about is I think uh, women, especially, and I only know this because I'm a woman, so I don't know how men feel about it, Mm -hmm. but we wake up and we are surrounded by people who love us and we are all really terrible at loving each other. We are not all, we are not very good at getting out of our own way about caring for each other, both kids, families, parents, siblings, you know, uh, employees, employers, all those kinds of things. And we're surrounded by people who we know care about us. And yet we feel alone and isolated. And we're just trying to find a way to contribute in the world that makes us feel like we're independent, like we're whole, like we're somebody. And women have a hard time with their identity. You are a woman trying to find, you know, a man that'll marry you or trying to find your career or whatever. You get married and now you're a wife and then you have a baby and now you're a mom. And there's just all these identity switches that you do as a woman. And we are left very confused, super confused. That's why women have way more of a hard time with pricing than men, because we don't know how to value ourselves. We're very, it's very difficult. So those challenges and troubles of me trying to create a space where women can feel valued and cared about and understood so that they can be freed up with their confidence to build some really great things. And I'll give you the systems to do it. That's really important to me. And I don't know how men feel in that way, but me being able to be passionate about that idea gets me featured it gets me on stages. It gets me to collaborate on books. Like it gets people asking for my opinion on things because they can tell it's something I really give a crap about. And then we've built all of our systems and products around that. We built all of our things around that. So if you're just selling a thing, it's hard, you know, then you have to work much harder to sell it and you have to work on the value of exactly what it is. But when you build a movement, um, business becomes a lot easier. I I highly recommend it for everybody. Well, so let's build a bridge to that idea. Um, if we're t- and, and one of the things I, I, I kind of circled on here that I know you talk about a lot with your business around this consistent income with the inconsistent schedules and how you start building those. But maybe if we go a little deeper, someone listening in, they're working a full-time job now. Maybe they're where you were in 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. How do, A, do we get them to think, hey, you can do something on your own if you want, right? You have to make that choice. Some people like working for a company and, and no, no issues with that. But how do they start making that choice to look at other opportunities? How, how do they get their mindset right? Um, how do they start going down that path? Because I know it's a struggle for a lot of folks. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things. So first off, I, I recommend everybody goes to 16personalities.com right? And you just, you take the test. You don't have to give your email or anything. It's based off Myers-Briggs and it gives a really detailed account of who you are, how you work, what kind of employee, what kind of employer you would be, what kind of all those things. And, and let it give you a, a quick view of what you're good and not good at, um, to understand what kind of employer you would be, what kind of business owner you would be, what how kind of person that's independent and has to work from home would be like what you need, what your love language is, you know, Um, because I do think there are people that are meant to be employees and they like it that way. And there are people that are terrible employees and they're meant to be the owner of something. There are people like me that I get super jazzed and then I have a hard time finishing things. Like like my operations director, her entire job is to yell at me to make sure I finish the last 10% of anything. 
you know, cause I'm on to the next, I'm on to the next thing. So understanding like what you're good and not good at will help you be more successful in whatever you decide to do. Because if you're going to have your own business, you need to understand what your shortcomings are so that your team uh, and the first hires and where you spend your money can be the most valuable. Then the second thing I'd say is go on to something like Skillshare. I started with Coursera, which is like most of the universities do. And I, but I, now I'd move over and say um, to do something more like Skillshare um, and you pay 10 bucks a month and you can go and just start playing with ideas right? What, what, look at what other people are training on. You have everybody from, you know, Seth Godin to, you know, designers and artists and things like that. And they're all 30 minute courses. I have like, I think I've got five or six courses on there. You know, I've had a partnership with them for years and, and just dabble in what's interesting to you. Like, what do you see where you're like, oh my gosh, I could teach that. Or, oh my gosh, I wish I was doing that all the way from business to a million other things. And I think just seeing what you would enjoy there ask your, uh, you know, your friends, your, you know, past employers or anything like that. Like, Hey, if you were going to ask me for help, what would you ask me for help on? What do you think I'm good at for them to start saying, what would that be? Cause a lot of times people will, will like, I get a lot of newscasters and then they're like, well, I'm, you know, I I'm having kids and you can't, you know, if your kid gets sick, it doesn't matter. You still, it's the six o'clock news. It's not the six Oh five news. If someone once told me they were, they were informed. I don't care right. what's happening to your kid. Um, so a lot of people that leave those places and go, I have all this expertise. I don't know what to do with it. Um, and a lot of times those people end up becoming ad agencies or becoming, you know, uh, media agencies because they know how to, they figure out what that skill is. So if you, if you know what the skill is, then start finding people that have that skill and seeing how they're selling. If you aren't sure what it is, go into places like Skillshare or find somebody They're like Abby Ashley is a friend of mine who has virtual savvy that shows you how to start a VA or freelancing business. Mm-hmm. Um, and do all those things. And those, those will help you get some idea. Like don't jump into starting a business before you have any idea of what it could be. Because back in the day, you didn't start a business unless you knew what problem you were solving. And you had a business plan to raise capital. You couldn't start a business without capital. Now you can be like, I think I want a part-time job and I want to own my own business. And then you get online and you're like, maybe I'll make a sales funnel. I saw a course on that once and you have no idea what you're doing. Right. And a very small percentage of those people become millionaires yeah. <laughs> so, or even six-figure earners. So yeah, do a little research first and go into some communities and ask them what they're doing. Get on Zoom, have a happy hour, a virtual happy hour with a couple people that are maybe doing something you think is interesting and ask them about it. Yeah. You know, do an internship. We do internships here all the time. It's like, hey, you want to learn how to do sales pages? You want to learn ads? Come in here. We'll pay you 200 bucks a month to, you know, do work for us. And at the end, either we'll give you business because you're good at it, or you'll be like, I hated that. And I never want to do it again. Yeah. You know, like intern places and, and dabble um, for a little while and, and figure out what you enjoy and then go from there. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I could layer on top too, is yeah. it, you kind of mentioned it with the intern thing, but even if you are working a full-time job, you have kids, you're trying to pay the bills and all that, just doing work for free. You know, if you find out what you're, Hey, this is my skill or people said I should do this. Well then, yeah, try to get five people to say, Hey, can I do this for you? I'll, I'll do it for free. See if you actually like doing the work. Cause sometimes you get into it and you're like, oh, this sucks. Like why did, I don't want to do this for, you know, 30 hours a week. This is ridiculous. So yeah. And the, and the big thing that everybody has to remember is if you're doing that, if you're going in and you're doing some free work for people, you're kind of dabbling, figuring out the thing you have to always keep in the back of your mind is what is my system? What is my mm-hmm. model for doing this? What is my process that is specific to me and how I am getting them results? 
uh, because the sooner you can templatize what you're doing, the sooner you can draw it in a Venn diagram or a pyramid or whatever and say, I'm getting you from point A to point B, and this is the way I do it, and you can make that a system, the easier it is to create a course, to start a group coaching program, to do a service, to turn it into an agency of whatever that is that you want to do that becomes your business model. You have to have a framework. Otherwise, you're just another coach or another service provider that's going to do whatever, you know, just tell me what you need and I'll just do that because I'm good at that. No, you want, a, you want a business that actually grows. You have a system of how you do it that is your particular way of doing it, you know, and then you give it a snazzy name and you, you know, make it a snazzy picture. Um, and, th- and that's the step. Like if you don't have, I see so many people that don't have a framework, don't have a model for how they get people results. And it, it takes them forever to explain what they do. You know, their sales pages are riddled with jargony words that sound like they mean something, but nobody ever buys because they're not sure if it really applies to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I see it all the time. So figure out what you enjoy and then build a model around it. And that a model is scalable. How many iterations do you think you've had? Just to to let everyone know, it's not, you didn't come up with this idea seven years ago and it's been the same idea. Like how many iterations throughout your business over the last, you know, half a dozen years have you had? Yeah, yeah. We've had somewhat similar until about last year. Um, So, you know, is consistently, I would say, which was I started our group, I I did some consulting and then I pretty quickly moved into a group coaching program. We called it the Boss Mom Academy. And for a good three, almost four years, that was consistently where a lot of my revenue came into. I got really good at knowing how many 15-minute calls turned into how many 30-minute calls turned into how many sales to get what I wanted. I never really wanted to scale it. I never wanted a million-dollar coaching business because I didn't feel I, I didn't feel like that was going to work for me. And it would keep me, I'm too emotionally empathetic to everybody that I work with that if if I would stay up at night worrying about everybody's businesses. Um, And so we did that, but then we, we coupled it with flash sales. So I would test out new small, tiny products, like how to grow a Facebook group, how to build a 90 day nurture system, you know, all of our backend Trello boards, like how to find your ideal client. And we would do these $47 flash sales every, you know, month or two months to test out new products. And as they worked really well, then we would funnel them in or build them into our big system. Then, about three years ago, or three years in, maybe two years in, three years in, we started, uh, we turned it into a course called Raising Your Business. So I generally tell people, you go from do it done for you to done with you to do it yourself. Like done for you, you're the service, doing all the pushing, doing all the working, done with you is now I'm the strategist that has some expertise and I help you. And the do it yourself is now I've made it, you go off and do it on your own, right? Um, and so we made Raising Your Business and that was a large course. So we sold that and that went really, really well. Um, but I wanted to create, this system. I wanted a membership. I wanted it to be low cost. I wanted to have a lot of in-app upsells kind of thing. I had this idea, this vision. So um, last year in February, we rolled out the Nurture to Convert Society. And I knew I didn't want it to be boss mom because to me, boss mom is still too vague. It still doesn't say what the result is. And my product should say what the result is. Nurture is what we care most about. Um, and our 90 day email nurture system and our permission sandwiches, a lot of my models around how I think you should run business had finally been truly like solidified down to one particular system that we called the nurture convert system. So we created the society, um, that's been growing really well. I just shut down the group coaching program 
because the this has been to take on the same amount of revenue as before. Um, and now I recommend my friend Haley for her program. And we've just been growing the Nurture Convert Society and, and building that. And it works a lot like the way an app would. So it's only $47 a month. But once you're in, you can pay for... Um, what I call like just-in-time upgrades. So you're building your, it talks about how you're going to build your 90-day nurture email list. By the way, if you want to buy all the email templates so you don't have to write them, here they are right here. Like here's how you're doing your social board. By the way, if you don't want to have to do those, here's all these Canva templates if you want to do that. So people are paying in addition to their monthly when they get to the point that they need something and we have upgrades or you can earn points and get those things for free if you're getting good results and submitting those results or giving us testimonials. So we've created this really great system and now we're all in on that on that system um, and it's working really well. Our goal is to make that its own million dollar product. Um, before I was hoping to do it by May, but with COVID that's, you know, and kids getting sent home and all those things. And I've got a four, five and a seven year old, we're giving ourselves to the end of the year to, to hit a million, but uh, yeah, just with that one product. The um, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And, and it's good to hear, you know, to see how you're always iterating and trying to obviously improve the business. And, and, and at the end of the day, right. Going back to that mission of helping, you know, helping women, helping uh, mothers be able to actually, you know, start their businesses, which is awesome. I, I want to touch on that. Just one or two more questions, if it's okay. Um, yeah. I want to touch on the parenting aspect. We haven't talked about that really at all. So how <laughs> do you juggle? You have a five, I have an eight-year-old, so I, I get it. I get it. Um, five and seven, are they girls, boys? What, what's the? Seven-year-old's a boy, five-year-old's a girl. Okay. So how have you managed to, like, are there certain systems you've set up with your professional, the personal life to be able to spend the time with them you want, but also get your work done. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So I completely mix the two. So like in my, in the boss mom book, I talk about the one bucket method, which is like, you can't have a bucket of business and a bucket of family and a bucket of everything because they all end up getting filled and there's not enough of you. Right. Mm -hmm. So if business is really important to me, um, and I, and I, this is part of why I love working at home right? I want my children to see how I lead my life. I don't want them to just see me parenting. I want them to see all the aspects of me, which is like, for instance, my kids are doing, uh, it's like a karate, it's MMA, basically, you know, for kids. Um, and so I joined and I'm doing it. And my one, I have a really weird bucket list, by the way, of the most random stuff. One of them is to have a black belt by the time I'm 50 and I turned 40 this year. So I started doing that. And now we do, you know, we don't do the class at the same time, but we practice together. Right. Um, my daughter makes my coffee every morning and she's five. Like, Hey, you've got arms. Let me show you how to cook. Like, let me show you how to do these things. Like the, the goal for me and the same in business, I read them books about business. They've been, they've, you know, helped me record and set up lighting. Um, that I want them to know about these things. My, you know, my daughter said, I want to start a YouTube channel. It's like, well, then you need a business plan. You need to tell me what it is. And you're going to tell me how you're going to earn the allowance for the money to pay for it. So let's have those conversations. So I don't treat my kids like kids. I, I don't treat them like friends either, right? Like we have a really loving relationship, but my goal is to make my kids, you know, not only worthy of the outside world, but able to survive in the outside world. Like that's really important to me. So in that sense, and I constantly tell them we're a team, right? Like, yeah, I respect you. You respect me. And when that respect is broken, we can't have a good relationship. So I will, so there are times when I'm like, Hey guys, I have to work tonight. So you get to go to bed early and it has nothing to do with you being sleepy or not. It has to do with, I don't want to stay up all night and I have to work, but I'll tell you what, tomorrow we'll do something great. Or you know what, guys, you're doing something and I don't really care about it. You can keep watching, but I'm going to go over here and 
do this thing for work or, Hey, give me 10 minutes. So they know on Saturdays and Sundays on the, when I'm, I'm separated or divorced now. So when on the times when I have them, they know in the morning before 10 AM on Saturday and Sunday, they don't, we don't go anywhere. They leave me alone. Cause that's my time to have some coffee and dig in and just do a little work. So I feel like an adult because then I'll spend the rest of the day hanging out with them. And yeah, and I'm just really honest with them about what has to happen and let them see work and what work does. And it helps us, you know, pay rent and it helps us, you know, do the things we want. And I help them show them how would you earn money and how could you help me and what would this look like? And I think that honesty with them is what makes it easy to integrate the two. Because my work is important to me. And I'll be perfectly honest, there are some times when I would rather work than hang out with my kids. And then there are also times when they're being just really adorable and I want to hang out with my kids and I want to ignore work. And I, I need them to understand that that doesn't mean that I don't love them. It just means that I'm more than just a mom. I am many things and being a parent is just one of them. And my job isn't, I, I think one of our quotes that I always say is like, my job isn't to sacrifice my life for my children. My job is to show my children what a good life lived looks like. Yeah. And that's what's most important. So I think that honesty and that integration is actually really valuable for our kids to see. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, uh, you know, just agree with everything you just said. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, because that's how I treat, you know, similar situation. I'm on a one week on one week off. So it's a little different maybe than yours, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing. You know, one, I think that's a whole nother probably podcast of like juggling how the other parent does it, but we won't get to that. Oh yeah, Co-parenting. One. I've been on many we, co-parenting uh, divorced. Yeah, we <laughs> won't get to that one. But, but your point though, is like, you know, it's, it's interesting. My son, how he talks about, he doesn't know he's talking about entrepreneurship or he wants to start a YouTube channel. Maybe that's the craze for these, mm-hmm. these young kids, but it's just going about if you explode, cause I look at this, I, you mentioned we're, we're, we're similar in age. I'm 37, but like, you know, that generation growing up. And I know you said you had some good mentors, like your father, you know, had his business and stuff. But like, I remember like I was the child. I wasn't, there wasn't like that relationship. Like you're mm-hmm. talking with your kids or I have, like I was the child and my parents were the parents. And that's, I felt there wasn't like ingraining me in what they were doing or trying to teach me. I was like, you do this. Cause you're the child. And I think that's just how that generation was. And it's so different, like the way you're speaking and, and the same with I, and I see this with a lot of, um, of folks similar that if we bring the kids into the conversation and expose them, they may not want to be entrepreneur. They may not want to start a business, they want, but it exposes them to new ideas that they never even thought about, which is, I think, I think almost makes them a little bit more mature and can mm-hmm. think a little differently, right? Like well, out of the Im- box. Imagine two adults need that, right? Like I, I got oh, really true. lucky. My dad <laughs> helped me build it how do you, how would you do it? Like, tell me what you would do. Like, I need your help. Like I need you, you're part of this project. Right. Um, and that was really important, even to the point where my dad was a really generous guy, my real dad. And he, you know, I remember a weekend where somebody broke down on the side of the road and he owned the auto body shop and he went and brought them their whole family, the whole family to our house. And he fixed the car and, you know, and he told me it wasn't just go play with it. He said, it's your job to make sure that his kids feel welcome that they feel like safe, like that. And so he gave me a job, like he gave me a job. He didn't just say, go off and do this thing. Like he gave me, he gave me responsibility. I think that when, you know, when in high school, my stepdad, who, when he was writing a book, I remember he would have an easel 
at the table and he would say, Hey, okay. Like what happened at school? And you'd be like, well, I talked to Mary. And then you'd be like, okay, well, were you at the lockers or not? Was the locker open? Were you leaning? Were there things that, like, and you describe it like you would have seen. And I got, I became very attentive to my surroundings because I was asked to be that way, yeah. um, which made me really interested in people and behavior because I started to be attentive and realized people were crazy. <laughs> we're, all, yeah. we're all insane. But I was, I was asked to contribute. I was at, I was given jobs, I was given responsibility and I was respected. And I think as adults, we don't have that, right? The, the feeling that somebody has when they feel as though they're needed, when they feel as though if they were gone, they would be missed. Like we need to create more situations like that for people because that's where people rise up to the occasion. And your kids yearn for it. They yearn for it. And like Jake was being, he got, uh, my son, he got knocked down. Like he gets a little yellow thing. If you have, um, if you like talk in your pin, you have to have clippy things. I don't know if you have your kid with the clippy things. And so it goes from being awesome to being just, you know, good or whatever. And, and so I tried to explain to him yesterday. He's like, I know, but my friend, she talks to me and we like, I, I like talking to her. And I said, okay, well, you know, your teacher, right? Your teacher, do you, do you, think she's valuable? Do you care about her? He's like, yeah, I think she's great. It's like, okay. She feels that way when you aren't listening to her and you're talking to somebody. Do you think she feels that, you know, how you see her? Do you think she feels that? And he goes, he's like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, do you like it if you were talking to your sister or to me and I was ignoring you talking to somebody else? He's like, no, I wouldn't like that at all. And I was like, well, what you're showing her is that you don't find her valuable, that you don't care about her and you don't respect her. And that doesn't feel very good, does it? And he's like, no, that wouldn't feel good. And I was like, so maybe the next time the girl tries to talk to you, say, you know what? I want to respect Miss Nielsen because I think she's very valuable and I care about her. So I'm going to listen to her and we can talk later. And I, and I tried to arm him with something to say, but I tried to teach him that it's not about being quiet. It's about respecting other people and making sure they feel valued and cared about. If we built our programs around that, like if that's the way we approached how we do customer service, how we do coaching, how we build our products, how we look at people when they give us criticism or praise, you know, and replied back to those and looked at every person as a human being, including our kids, like we don't have confident kids and they'd either be entrepreneurs or CEOs of something, um, but we're not we're belittling everybody all the time and no wonder everybody's depressed. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. And I think it just goes back to going down that normal path, the education path, uh, you know, again, we probably longer podcasts for that, but like going down the same path, it's kind of like the factory worker type from 150 years ago, the same thing we've done. It's like, why don't we teach them a little different um, and then let them make a decision, right? Because at some point they have to make decisions. They're, they're going to have to make their own decisions. If we arm them with the knowledge to at least make that decision, I think that's a, that's what I at least look at. I, I may be wrong, but that's how I look at it. Like, I, I think wanna, you should do it now. We Yeah, yeah all, all day long, them. all day long. J- Jake is supposed to do, it's their first week back of like full five days of school. Okay. And they have a, you know, of course, in true fashion, they've given the kids, you know, a daily theme for how to dress, which by the way, if you're a teacher, that is a huge pain in the butt for parents. Holy moly. Like today's, you know, dress like a rock star. I was like, my son doesn't have any, he looks, he wears gym shorts and t-shirts, <laughs> but he was dressed for success. And, and his, and his dad said, I don't know what that, I don't know what that looks like. He doesn't like wearing collared shirts or jeans or anything. 
I said, well, tell him tomorrow is dressed for success. If you wanted to look and feel successful, pick something out of your closet that makes you feel that way. Like give him the power to choose. Don't just choose for him. And then that way he can feel when he goes into class and he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt and everybody goes, I thought you were dressed for success. He doesn't go, oh, this is what my dad put me in, you know? And then he comes home going, but why didn't I dress that way? He goes, yeah, I feel that way. I feel dressed for success because this is how I feel most comfortable and successful people are comfortable. You know, and he's armed with something like arm our kids with responses, like arm our kids with knowledge, like arm our kids with options and let them choose. Like people are, I talk to women all the time. The reason we feel guilty about being a mom, being an entrepreneur, being any of those things is because we don't know if we're making the right decision, right? If we're not confident about the decision we're making, Mm -hmm then we're going to feel bad about it. Oh, I should have hung out with my kids instead of done that thing. I should have done that thing instead of hung out with my kids. I should have whatever it was, right? When we start being conscious about the decisions, arming ourselves with information and choices, arming our kids with information and choices, being a team and respecting each other, both our clients, our employees, our friends, our family, all those things, then you feel really good about the decisions you're making. And I'm as confident and happy and you know, I'm sad sometimes too, but as I am, because I feel really good about all my decisions. I weigh them. I think about them. I'm conscious about them. And then I don't worry about it being wrong. Also knowing that sometimes I'm going to be wrong and being okay with that too. But like, I think that if we could build that, instill that in the future of our kids and all of us as adults, like we just be so much more equipped to handle day-to-day life and be happier for it. Well said. How do we get into this rant, by the way? I feel like we I got have all no idea. That's, I that's apologize. About, I warned you in the beginning. No, that's about how this podcast <laughs> normally goes, which is good. Um, let me ask you one more question. Good, good transition. Cause let's talk about, let's go back to your younger self um, mm-hmm. for a minute. So you're going back to when you're seven, 10, 13, mm-hmm. you're in that, in that realm. If you could share one piece of advice one piece, right? The most impactful piece of advice for that younger person uh, to help them on their journey a little bit, maybe to see things a little bit differently. And I always like to say for fun, it's got to fit on a post-it note. So very short, concise. What would you share with your, uh, your younger self? Oh, gosh. I, I would say something like find somebody this is going to sound totally off the wall find somebody that you admire that's famous or known right and take on their you know the the way they dress the way they are like take on a little bit of their identity right and then own it uh because the biggest thing when is following trends is listening to what other people say is that the pot what the popular people are wearing what you can afford you can't all of those things but if you can find somebody like I remember you know I went through and you I went through different phases but I remember like loving Janis Joplin for once and everybody was wearing something else but I dress like Janis Joplin forever you know like loving the Beatles like and just just the different things if you find somebody that you that you believe in and that you find to be a mentor and you take on some of those things and everybody coming at you with all the shiny object things that you need to care about or that you're not good enough, which is the main part of the problem when kids are growing up is kids are freaking judgmental and they have no filter. Um, and we have to protect ourselves against what we think we're supposed to be doing, even as adults, right? Like, what are you hearing right now from when this is recording clubhouse? Everybody's on clubhouse. It's the best new thing since peanut butter right? Well, you know, hey, it's a new thing. It's probably going to be bought up in a year (laughs) by somebody else, one of the big guys. And yeah. And do you need to be there? 
it's not a, it's not a one second answer, you know, but everybody sure is making it feel like it's the best place to be. So you got a lot of people that could be building really good systems in their business that are dropping that to go hang out on a new platform because that's, what's cool. Like it's not very different from being in high school, the way (laughs) the world works right now. And you, the way you protect yourself is you find somebody you respect and you follow them, you follow their model. You follow. And I think even as a kid, we do that. And you find those people that were in love with, you know, whoever it was and dressed like them and acted like them. And at least then you're so protected from just the, the, you know, insanity of the outside world. I don't know. Is that a random answer? Very, but that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's always good. I mean, it's your answer. Um, it's different. Well, but wouldn't advice you think that for yeah. yeah, I mean, for you, you'd feel like the, pe- the people should be doing that with you, right? They they look at you, they look at me, they, and they go, you're the mentor I want to follow. My dad would say, follow the script. You don't go off the script until you've mastered the script. Like, your mentors are the script, you know? Find the, per- if it's Seth Godin, if it's Michael Hyatt, or if it's Amy Porterfield, or even if it's you or me or somebody else, yeah. find the person that you go, I want to be like that, and then start going, what are they doing? And then stop listening to everybody else. Because you can't have like that. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. That's a real thing. (laughs) That's a real thing. So just stop listening to 18 podcasts and thinking that each of them are going to give you one thing. And if you just sewed them all together, you'd get this beautiful quilt. You're not. You're going to get a messy hodgepodge of crap. So like just and the same thing with your kid. Follow somebody and just stick with it. Yeah, and one of the other things you had mentioned, if I if I um, put a pin in as well uh, to talk about for just a second, is the prioritization, right? We can be on clubhouse for two hours and it pops by. We can, you know, we could be listening to all these podcasts at some point. I mean, it's, it always comes back to the the name of the podcast is you got to just get started. You got to prioritize. This is what I want to do, whether it's a new idea we talked about earlier in the show or anything like that, but you just got to go after it and put some time in and, and see if there's any merit to it versus, because I know I'm big on this is well, probably more than I should be, but is sometimes procrastinating. It's like, ah, I'll do it later. I could do it. It's really like, no, I got to get this done. These are like number one and two on the, forget number six right now. What's one and two on the list. I got to do those. And I found at least by prioritizing or giving myself some like, you know, guideposts, if I have to get this done at this time, at least that allows me to push off those other things that probably are not as important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's two main things that that makes me think of. So, so number one is, most people market before they know what they're selling. Um, and, and it can become a real problem. So you get people that are like, oh my gosh, I've got this Facebook group or I'm on wherever the platform is and I'm getting really great visibility and I'm spending hours there and people are replying and, we're, and they're like, great, what's your revenue? Well, I'm not making any sales because I don't know what I'm selling. I don't know how to sell it. I don't know what it looks right. like. I haven't built it, right? So I'm just kind of picking up the scraps of whatever somebody says they need and then go, I can do that. So what everybody has to recognize is that in the beginning, 80% of your time should be spent building the thing, building the thing you want to be known for yourself. And that can be iterative. I built raising your business. And then we, we, we literally tore it apart and put it in and rebuilt it into a membership later, mm-hmm. but didn't man make, didn't make a crap ton of money selling it in the beginning. Right. So build, spend 80% of your time figuring out what your system is, not doing a weekly newsletter, not even doing a podcast or a, you know, or the blog or whatever it is that you have to consistently write new content for create, mm-hmm. figure out your system. 
what's one way you're going to get people results? What's one course? What's one, you know, process? What's one, like at least onboarding process or something Mm -hmm. so that that can be set up. And then you can spend 80% of your time out selling. And then in that case, if you are on clubhouse or you're networking or somewhere, those can turn into actual sales and revenue. So I think the problem is everybody starting on social media first and being there, being totally confused about things. And not, so I think that that prioritization is important. And then on a daily basis, I tell people, take a look and go, is there anything I need to do in order for my team or my community to be able to thrive or my employer, um, you know, clients or whatever, to be able to do their job, right? Do I need to review content, think about something, give an answer to something like that's the number one on my list, right? And then the number two on my list is, is there anything that can directly one or two degrees away, make me money? Do I need to, that's usually where we, most of the people I have, they're like, I sent out a proposal a week ago and they didn't respond back. Did you follow up? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, sales during the follow-up. That's, that's just the way it goes. Right. So are you actually following up? Are you reaching out? Are you sending that proposal? Are you, whatever it is, we call them performance goals, you know, and that, and doing that. And then the third one is, is am I doing something to help me build clout, visibility, and authority in my space? And that's a third one. The problem is most people start with the first one mm-hmm. or start that as the first one. They never do the other two. And then they're like, ah, everybody loves me online, but nobody buys my stuff. And you're like, cause you kind of got your priorities backwards. Yeah. And if you did that every day, then you would actually do the things. So then you're not hiring people and then feeling like you don't get the money's worth because you weren't doing your job for them. Um, you know, and you're not doing the things that make you revenue because those are the scary things. Cause what if they say no, you know, and, and it, it puts things in the right perspective so that every day, if you're not sure what's on your list, you can ask those three questions and then it comes up. Okay. This is what I should be focusing on. Um, and the answer isn't always just being on social media and networking. Well, that's the proverbial mic drop there. I think that was uh, <laughs> that was a good that was a good way to to end this one. Um, where can everyone find you online? What's the what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so it's super easy. If you go to boss-mom.com, uh, that'll get you to our Facebook group, to our podcast, to we have a new YouTube channel called the Nurture to Convert Show. Um, it also gets you to Nurture to Convert society, uh, which is our membership and all that fun stuff. So yeah, just check us out there. And it usually gives you a nice, a nice view as well as our free resources and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Dana, thank you so much. I'm grateful to have you on. It's uh, excited to, uh, to hear all the, all the things going on in your head and what you've done over, uh, over this journey. So I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Brian, for indulging me in my rants. <laughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day. You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. Um, Happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me. I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there. Uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.